Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heaven. Praise God on the heights. Praise God, all of you who are his messengers. Praise God, all of you who comprise his heavenly forces. Sun and moon, praise God. All of you bright stars, praise God. You highest heaven, praise God. Do the same, you waters that are above the sky. Let all of these praise the Lord's name because God gave the command and they were created. God set them in place always and forever. God made a law that will not be broken. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all you ocean depths. Do the same, fire and hail, snow and smoke, stormy wind that does what God says. Do the same, you mountains, every single hill, fruit trees, and every single cedar. Do the same, you animals, wild or tame, you creatures that creep along and you birds that fly. Do the same, you kings of the earth and every single person, you princes and every single ruler on earth. Do the same, you young men, you young women too, you who are old together with you who are young. Let all these praise the Lord's name because only God's name is high over all. Only God's majesty is over earth and heaven. God raised the strength of his people, the praise of all his faithful ones. That's the Israelites, the people who are close to him. Praise the Lord. In the second reading from Genesis 1.31, God saw everything God had made and it was supremely good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, would you in these moments uh, reveal yourself to us, not just in the words we hear, but what we see and what we smell and later what we taste and touch. Remind us that you are as close as the air we breathe. You're as close as the bread and the wine that we'll taste. You're as close as things that we can reach out and touch. Show us that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, during this holiday season, the season of Advent and Christmas, one of the things we do to mark the season as different than others is by decking the halls with boughs of holly, right? You think, what's a bough, right? Those are boughs, right? The swag, right? These are symbols that we surround ourselves with during the season that are indicators, they're reminders, they're, they're symbols conveying a meaning of what this season represents. Uh, for instance, uh, long before Christianity reached Northern Europe, the pre-Christian people of, of Germany and that region already had a tradition of bringing evergreen trees into the house during the winter 
Because remember, in the, in the far north, much of the earth is barren, right? Many of the trees lose the leaves. Days are shorter and darker. And so the tree was a symbol to them that there's still life. That life is always there, even in the midst of darkness. It's a better symbol, I think, if you live up north, but we get the idea. Uh, wreaths are hung in churches and homes, right? Which also are evergreen, Uh, But also the circle represents the spiritual meaning of God's love being eternal and the promise of eternal life. And then we add things, right, to these wreaths. Sometimes we add holly berries and holly leaves. The holly leaves are kind of pointy and sharp, reminding us of the crown of thorns. The berries reminding us of the drops of blood that came from Jesus at his crucifixion. Sometimes we add pine cones. Pine cones, of course, are, are... pine seeds, and so they symbolize the promise of new beginning and new life. Sometimes churches have, in homes, have poinsettias. If you look at a poinsettia, it has five leaves, five pointy leaves, like the star that was over Bethlehem. Uh, We have candles, right? We light candles, and the candlelight represents Christ shining in the darkness. We do that this time of year. We surround ourselves with items, right, from nature, from creation, that, that to us speak of a deeper meaning of what this season represents. That God is intimate with God's creation. That God loves God's creation. That God entered God's creation in the incarnation of Jesus. Maybe there's other symbols that come to mind for you this time of year. Maybe you're decorating them at your home with them. Others have evolved in different cultures and different places When my family lived in South Florida, I suggested, let's get a palm tree and wrap it with lights and use that as our Christmas tree. We did that once. They didn't like it. (laughs) But you get the idea, right? We use nature this time of year to engage our senses, taste and touch, the smell of the evergreen, right? We use these things to engage us and speak to us of a deeper understanding of the connection between Christ and Christ's creation, right? The incarnation being when he came in flesh, but that he was already deeply connected long before and continues to be now. There's a direct life-giving connection between what Christ did when all things were made and how they were redeemed through his becoming one of us in flesh. Last week, we read the prologue to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. And in it, it refers to Jesus with another title, the Word. The Word as the pre-existent, eternal Christ. It said John 1, John 1, 1, 2, and 3 said, The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word. And without the Word, nothing came into being being, that all things somehow were made through this second person of the Trinity, the Son, the Christ, the Word. Our theme for Advent and Christmas this year is closer, closer, as in how God came closer to us in the birth of Jesus, taking on our human flesh. We talked last week about how kind of the starting place is sort of the common historic kind of human perspective of where God is. Remember last week I said, point to God. And where did everybody point? 
up, right? God is out there somewhere. Heaven is up there, kind of far away, kind of inaccessible. We can only reach God on God's terms when God comes to us. But we also said in reality, God is close. God has always been close to God's creation. Follow this. If God is a trinity, three divine beings and one God, inseparable yet distinct, if the second person of the trinity is the word through whom all things were made, and if the word took on flesh in Jesus, then God has never been far from us. He wasn't far from us before the birth of Jesus. He hasn't been far from us since the resurrection of Jesus. Now, in any no way am I trying to diminish the significance of him coming in flesh. That is a unique and incredible thing for God to do. What I'm trying to dispel is the notion that God wasn't with us except for that. God has always been close with us in creation. God has always been, in the second person, Emmanuel, God with us. Even before God moved physically into the created realm, coming closer to us in Christ's birth, God was already and is still close In the medieval Germany, there was a mystic nun by the name of Hildegard of Bingen, who was a a spiritual naturalist. She was one of the first to write about the connection between, between Christ and creation. She coined a Latin phrase called veriditas, veriditas, which translates roughly divine greening. She saw in all created things evidence of the divine force at work, signs of God in all that God created. She believed that God was as close as the grass upon which we walk or the breeze that blows in our face or the rain that refreshes the earth or the people sitting around us. She writes, the word is living, being, spirit, all verdant greening, veritas, all creativity. This word manifests itself in every creature. All living creatures are sparks from the radiation of God's brilliance, emerging from God like the rays of the sun. You may or may not know about Hildegard of Bingen, but probably all of us have heard something about St. Francis of Assisi, Uh, He's the garden saint, right? Many of us have statues of St. Francis out in our gardens. We we know the connection, the love that St. Francis had for creation, how he had insight into the connection between the creator and humans and the created order. Uh, There's a hymn that we sing here and in the traditional service, All Creatures of Our God and King. It came from a canticle that he wrote. I'm just going to read just a very brief part. He said, praise be you, my Lord, with all your creatures. And he starts, especially Sir Brother Son, who is the day through whom you give us light. And he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor. Of you, most high, he bears the likeness. And then he goes through all of creation, how all of creation is a sign of God's goodness. You may not know this, uh, St. Francis is traditionally, historically credited with the first one to come up with the idea of a live nativity. He had a crash built, he found a, a mother and a baby, and he got some animals, and he put it together because he wanted to be able to see it. He wanted to be able to experience firsthand. We think he was the first to do that. 
I've recently become more familiar with a, a modern-day Presbyterian professor who's a, an eco-spiritual professor. He writes, I increasingly encounter God's presence in the rough touch of bark and the sound of rustling leaves in the ordinary. And I think that's part of why we bring these things into our worship space and our homes this time of year, to remind us that God in Christ is as close as the greens that we decorate with, as the air we breathe, the fragrance of the greens that we enjoy, the sun, the rain that it took to grow the greens. In other words, as Belden Lane said, in the ordinary stuff, right? I read a moment ago from Psalm 148. It said, praise the Lord from heaven. Praise God on the heights. Praise God all who are his messengers. That includes us. Praise God, all of you who comprise his heavenly forces. Sun and moon, praise God. All you bright stars, praise God. You heaven, highest heaven, praise God. And he goes on and on, right? The hills, praise God. The animals, praise God. People, praise God. Remember that story from Palm Sunday? Jesus is entering with the disciples into Jerusalem and the crowds are shouting, Hosanna to the king. And the Pharisees get on to Jesus like, you need to tell the crowds to be quiet. You remember what he said? If I tell them to be quiet, right? Let me see where it is. If I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. If humans won't say it, even creation will acknowledge who I am. Sarah Miles was a, a devout atheist, a, a, a reporter, an author, who su was surprised to discover herself becoming a Christian. And she writes in it, it was the materiality of Christianity that fascinated me. The compelling story of incarnation in its grungiest details. The promise that words and flesh were deeply, deeply connected. So today's first Sunday of the month. And every first Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion, regardless of what season it is. In a few moments, you'll come up and you'll receive a piece of bread, which is made of wheat, which is grown from creation. You'll drink some juice, which of course is pressed from grapes, which grow from grape vines, which again is part of God's great creation. Well, this week I discovered actually a connection between the Last Supper, which is what we remember here, and Jesus' birth that I've never seen before. I've only been doing this 30 years. I still have things to learn. Jesus was born where? Bethlehem. Did you know in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread? House of bread. That's where Jesus was born. They think it was called that because in that area, a lot of grain is grown that's used for bread. And when they got to, Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem, and they couldn't find a room, right? They had to find some place for her to give birth. Where was it? A barn, right? And Jesus' first crib wasn't a bassinet, right? It was a manger. We hear that word a lot at Christmas. You know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough. It's where animals go for food. Jesus was born in the house of bread. His first crib was a feeding trough. Later, Jesus would call himself the bread of life. Bread come down from heaven. And the night of his last supper, he would hand bread to his disciples and say, this is my body given for you. Take and eat this 
in remembrance of me. Even from his birth, we see indicators, signs, hints that would later be demonstrated for us in bread and wine. How he would live. How he would give of himself. How he would die. This bread is my body given for you. Christmas trees and wreaths, moon and stars, barns and mangers, pregnant mothers and babies, bread and juice, they're all tangible, visible, tasteable, sacramental reminders of God's closeness to God's creation through the Word made flesh. That's what we call this. We call it a sacrament. What's a sacrament? It's physical, visible, tasteable things that convey to us a spiritual meaning, but also grace. God's grace given for us. The psalmist writes, taste and see. Taste and see how good God is. Richard Rohr writes, the basic sacramental principle is this. We can know spiritual things through the physical world. We don't have to wonder, where are you, God? Just look around. We have eyes to see. We can see God everywhere, everywhere. And so as we await the kind of the symbolic celebration of his coming at Christmas, we're reminded that we don't have to ever have to wait to look for God. That God is always as close as anything we taste, touch, smell, see. Remind us how close Christ is. So in a moment, we're going to invite you to come closer to come to the table to receive these physical symbols, reminders of how close he is all the time for us. Let us pray. So draw close to us now, O Lord, as you always have, as you always will, as you draw us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.